Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Well, that's better time. That's a lot better time, especially under the circumstances time. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe these Vols aren't done yet time, whatever time of day it is, boys and girls. It's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Rush Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here Late on a Thursday morning. No, we'll call it early on a Thursday afternoon now at this point on an unseasonably warm day here in uh, God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee, just a couple miles away from Thompson Bowling Arena where last night the 10th-ranked Tennessee Volunteers took down number one Alabama at Thompson Bowling Arena. Plenty to discuss from that game, and you know that we will. Maybe should have done a – thought about doing a breaking news edition last night, but there were – it was a latish game. There, there were just really wasn't enough time to get to everything that we needed to get to properly. When we could instead do that in full detail today, and now we'll do that, and we'll go over to Ben McKee's house, get to the one and the only Ben McKee, and we will do that. Benjamin Tennessee uh, off the mat. What, what did LL Cool J say? Don't call it a comeback. <laughs> That's right. But my question to you is, do you call it an upset? I do not because uh, Vegas said it was not. See, but, I, I think the reverse. I, I I consider it an upset because I go off the AP poll. I that that is that is my metric that that I use uh, for for upsets because um, not not everybody relies on Vegas like m- the majority of people rely on the AP poll or true. not even just the AP poll. I mean, I guess it depends on what sport you're talking about football and basketball are are more ap poll centric whereas uh baseball has a thousand yes it polls. Does. a thousand and I, I you and i have not talked about this but i go off of d1 baseball's rankings for baseball so th- so there's a head up heads up for baseball season is is that i do not go by the coaches poll i go by d1 baseball because i believe that they cover college baseball the best yeah, I um, do too. I think they cover. I, I, I've said for years that I I, I don't give. I, there's hardly ever any time that I will tell or suggest anyone spend a penny on anything that isn't a company that I work for, uh, just because I think that's good business. But Kendall and those guys at D1 Baseball do such a great job that it's like I got to tip my hat and be like, man, those guys go go. All you need to know. All you need to know about their rankings is that they is that the NCAA tweets out their rankings every Monday 
after they announce it. For for football and basketball season, the NCAA uses the AP poll, but then during college baseball season, they use D1 baseball's ranking. So that that tells you all you need to know there. But I, I consider it an upset. Well, Again, no, the, I, the only reason, and I think this is a good topic, a good really quick sidebar, Ben, because the reason that I do just whatever one Tennessee's ranked the highest in is because for years I got tired of Tennessee fans thinking that in case there was one that wasn't a D1 poll – that 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 they were higher in, and I'd be like, "Hey, Tennessee's number twelve, and they'd be like, "Oh, Tennessee's number nine. You're just a hater." I'm like, "No, no, I just used the one poll, so I just used the one that Tennessee's highest in, just to avoid that nonsense." But I hear you; you're not wrong. Yeah, that that's that's fair, and I know we're supposed to be talking about basketball, and Wes and I are literally going to record a baseball podcast as soon as we get done talking about basketball, but. For future references, for those who do enjoy college baseball and are going to keep up with the Vols this year, just know that if if Tennessee is ranked the highest in, in D1, that's the one I will be using. If they're ranked the lowest in D1, that's still the ranking that I will be using. I, I will be using D1 baseball regardless of what Tennessee's ranking is. So let's let's go ahead and, and get out in front of that. But again, I, I think it was an upset last night. And and look, obviously it's not some massive upset that nobody saw coming. Uh, I don't think very many people predicted Tennessee to win. And that's another reason why I do consider it an upset. I don't I don't know why all of a sudden everybody relies on Vegas to determine whether it's an upset or not when when that's more of a, a new thing rather than the history of college basketball or college sports in general, we've been going off of polls, whatever they've been called over the course of time. Um, But even with Tennessee being a three and a half point favorite by tip off last night, how many people were actually picking Tennessee to win that basketball game? I did not see a single person saying, Oh yeah, Tennessee's going to win, especially after Josiah Jordan James and Julian Phillips, it was announced that they were out. Like, I don't care what Vegas says. Nobody was picking Tennessee to win that basketball game last night, and Alabama's the number one team in the country. It was an upset. Not the biggest one you'll ever see because Tennessee was certainly capable of beating Alabama, as we saw, but it was an upset in my book. Yeah, and and it it, it was especially without – Without JoJo and with without uh, Julian Phillips, that 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 is a a major statement win for Tennessee. Regardless if it's technically an upset or not, I mean that that's a fair discussion. But regardless, I, I, I you didn't predict it. I, I didn't predict it. Um, I I think that most people who focus exclusively or primarily on Tennessee would not have picked it because. Sports just they're weird sometimes, but you you know Tennessee was in a spot last night where you go into the game without two of your best players and your two best wings. By the way, when you've got to try to contain you know one of the the best wings in college basketball, if not the best, and and then on, on top of that, the last two games you've taken absolute just kicks to the the coin pouch right to the kibbles and bits right at the the finish kind of fluky endings but still games where you lost and it's not unfair that you lost uh, against the the simplest week you had left on your schedule and you go into all that and you know i guess maybe in hindsight we all should have thought well their backs were against the wall right and when a team's that desperate look what they can do but that's still that's a culture win. That's a culture, culture, culture win because there was like one way 
for Tennessee to win that game. Without without James, without Phillips, I'm not going to call it like an inside straight draw, but but Tennessee had to play the game a certain way, I think, Ben. It, it could not win a beauty contest. It just couldn't do it with without a couple of pieces that are usually there. So what Tennessee had to do was make the game as ugly, dirty, gritty, in the mud as possible, be as physical as possible, and hope the refs let them do it. And they had to defend, defend, defend. They had to start well enough to get the crowd juice, to let the crowd then give them juice the rest of the game. There were a number of things that they had to do that were non-negotiable, and they did them, and they got a win that they, I think, deserved every bit as much or more than they deserved the loss they got last week. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was it was a great win. I, I thought Tennessee played really, really well on both ends of the floor, really. I, I know Tennessee scored 68 points and, and shot 37% from the field, but you're not – you're not playing Missouri's defense or some some other average defense. Alabama's defense is is really really good. Everybody talks about the offense first and and foremost and, and rightfully so, but technically by the metrics that you just live and die by Wes, the defense <laughs> is is better than the offense. And the the offense again really good, but people talk about the offense first because offense is sexy and defense at times is is not sexy. So for Tennessee to put up sixty eight points without two starters and one of your leading scorers against that Alabama defense I, is really impressive. If if you would have told me before the game yesterday, Tennessee can can score sixty eight points, take it or leave it. If I'm Tennessee, I'm taking those 68 points right then and there. Yeah, and the way the way they did it, Ben, too, was was it started with their defense. They got out and ran, and they scored in transition, which they just had to do. And they have they don't always do, but they did it. Yeah, I mean, 26 points off of turnovers, the two points off of turnovers. I mean that that was the difference in the game. The way Tennessee defended and forced Alabama into 19 turnovers, and then Tennessee, who has turned it over at times this season at a at a higher clip than they should for a veteran team. We talked about that on the last podcast. Mm-hmm. They only had eight turnovers, which is absolutely phenomenal, again, against a really, really good defense. Uh, but the 26 points off of turnovers to, to two points off of turnovers was absolutely the story in the game uh, and, and the way that they defended. But just speaking to the offense, like I don't I didn't think the offense was ugly last night like maybe it it was a missed shot here or there but I I I guess the point that I'm getting to is that Tennessee shooting 37 percent and scoring 68 points like you take that against that Alabama defense and the times when Tennessee did miss shots I thought it was more Alabama's really good defensively than Tennessee's doing something wrong offensively because Alabama, like Tennessee, is so athletic on defense. And the the one thing that they really have more of, maybe I need to think more about this, but it seems just kind of off the top of my head that they're longer than Tennessee, especially in the post. And they make it really hard to score inside. And they they typically have a hand in your face when you're trying to shoot the basketball. So for Tennessee to score 68 points, only turn it over eight times, and they hit they hit shots when it mattered most. Mid-range jumpers, perimeter shots, uh, Urosh or uh, Olivier, Jonas inside at the rim. They made difficult shots against a really good 
Alabama defense. So I know obviously the the defense from Tennessee is the story, but I didn't think Tennessee played bad offense last night. I just thought they played against a good Alabama defense. No, they they still for me missed a a few too many shots that were really clean looks, uh, and and there that's basketball for one. But also, it happens too much with this team. But that's just kind of who they are. I don't think that's going to change. I, I I think that that's the the point was they they did enough offensively and they did make some really tough shots. I mean, Plavsic knew nothing about the shot he made. I mean, credit to him for putting the ball up near the rim, but he had no idea where that thing was going. Uh, you, you know, but but uh, Zakai Ziegler made made some tough shots. Santiago Vescovi made some really really tough shots. They got what they needed offensively. And just like against the against Kentucky, there were times when Tennessee desperately needed something, and Uros Plavsic provided it. And I think a whole lot of credit is due his way. Uh, Ten points in thirteen minutes, did some really really nice stuff. Jonas Adu had some big buckets, really 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 big buckets. Uh, I, he's probably had a couple games where he scored a little bit more than that, but that's the best game he's ever played at Tennessee. He he was he was sensational, and Tennessee needed him to be. Um, they they got um, they didn't get what they wanted to get. I think from Tyreek Key and even from Olivier Cumwa. I, I think with Key now, it's just a matter of there will be some games, some matchups that are better for him than others. And I look at it like the more athleticism that's on the other roster. Maybe the 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 less you you expect from Tyreek Key, I think there well, I are. I thought he got good looks. No, he just I, didn't knock him down. I think for whatever reason, it just feels like there are games against those really, really, really big opponents that are really, really that can be really good defensively, where things for whatever reason just don't go the way he would like them to go offensively. Uh, Olivia Kumwa, he, he took mostly shots that I think I'm okay with him taking. Uh, he just didn't have a great night shooting. He still got nine points, some big rebounds, got the crowd some energy on some big dunks. I, I I think they did what they needed to do offensively to give themselves a chance. Because we've said this all year long, right, Ben, that, that their Tennessee's defense is sort of like going into every inning with runners in scoring position, but you still got to put the ball in play. Tennessee put the ball in play offensively. Like, I, I think that – your opinion of the offensive performance last night might be a tiny bit higher than mine, but mine's not low. I think we both, at the at the bare minimum, believe they did what they needed to do offensively because they did not just because they won the game, but with the way they normally play defense, sixty eight points that's going to be a win. And I think that if they can just consistently score right there around that seventy mark. They're going to win most of the time because most people aren't going to score that many points on them. And, and for them to do what they did defensively against that offense, um, and for Santiago Vescovi to then miss a clutch free throw again in that game, but then come back and make the next four after the kind of week he's had, um, they exercised some big demons last night. And we do need to talk about the the defense, and we're going to do that. But I, I do think it's really important to again emphasize. Last night proved, again, Tennessee does not have to be great offensively to be a great basketball team. It just has to be pretty good and fairly consistent offensively. Yeah, I thought the offense was good last night. I I do. Um, Because of the opponent. 
if if Fair. they like, like I said against Vanderbilt, like that that Vanderbilt defense is not good. Only scoring 65, 66 points uh, against that Vanderbilt defense is is not good enough in, in my opinion because that Vanderbilt defense statistically is is not good. And, and it was a, a low possession game, so maybe that made the the score look worse than Tennessee's actual offense performed. But they they had their droughts in, in that game. And last night against Alabama, they, Tennessee did not have a prolonged drought on the offensive end. May, maybe into they, the first they, half. That yes, but they did get to the free throw line. That that's the difference. They they didn't make a shot the final four minutes and ten seconds. And I mean, it may have only been a a free throw or, or two. I can pull it up right here. It's in in front of me. Tennessee made three free throws during that stretch. Uh, their, their last made shot came at the four minute 11 second mark mm-hmm. uh, of the first half and then Tyreek Key hit two free throws and Olivier hit a free throw as well so three free throws not not the greatest within that stretch of not making a shot but uh that that was really the only prolonged drought and like you sign up for that right now if you're Tennessee given the five six seven minute droughts that that it has had this season but the offense played well last night uh I I if if I'm Tennessee's coaching staff, I I walk away really really encouraged because seventy points is that's a good number in college basketball. It, it's not great, maybe, but it it's good and it's gonna win you most basketball games, even if you have an average defense. And you pair it with Tennessee's great defense, and Tennessee's gonna beat just about anybody in the country on any given day. And here's the other thing to remember about Alabama's defense is. Not a single opponent has reached 70 points this season in SEC play against them. The, the most that's been scored on them during SEC play, which is now 13 games, is 69 points. Nice. nice. So for Tennessee to essentially, in a way, have as much offensive success uh, as anybody against one of the best defenses in the in not just the SEC, but in the country, I thought that that was really encouraging, especially when you consider the fact that they were without two starters. And uh, Julian Phillips isn't necessarily somebody you have to have scoring from every single night to to be successful, but he certainly chips in. And when Josiah has it going, he's one of Tennessee's best scorers and, and best shooters as well. So if I'm Tennessee's coaching staff, I walk away very encouraged because of how good Alabama's defense is with the offense. I, I think the last three halves of basketball is is something that you can really uh, build upon moving forward as March uh, creeps up on you. But the, the two storylines that, that really stand out to me, Wes, in terms of why Tennessee was able to win that basketball game, first and foremost, defense, right? I mean, Tennessee's yeah. defense was just absolutely tremendous. Alabama held, held to a season low uh, in points. Uh, and entering the game, they had only been held below 70 points four times. Uh, so it, it's an Alabama offense that averages 83 points a game, which was sixth most in the country entering, and you hold them to a season-low 59 points. Uh, that, it, that is absolutely tremendous. Obviously, Jemai Meshack played a, a huge role in that. Yeah, that's where uh, I was going defense, next. Yep. Defense in first and foremost, but then also late-game execution. We, we harped on that a lot on the last podcast, and – uh, Tennessee really, really executed at the end of the game and didn't allow Alabama an opportunity to to get off one of those buzzer beater shot attempts. Uh, Santiago Vescovi was just absolutely tremendous. He he did miss one free throw, 
but he ended up going four or five at the free throw line within that last minute. And that, that was absolute, absolutely huge. And, and as a person, you enjoy seeing that with the, the last week that he had just had. Yeah. And he, he bounced back even right after the missed free throw and had a big strip on the other side of the, of the court. That was just huge against a good player. One-on-one on the block. That was a big, big play because the guy was trying to drive in, do, put some moves on him for a layup. And he just kind of, he, he exposed a bit too much of the ball and Vescovy just kind of stripped at it and got it. And uh, that, that was a big, big, big time play. But defensively, I, I, a lot of guys deserve their flowers defensively for last night. To to hold Alabama down the way that Tennessee did is just incredible. I mean, what they did to, to Quinterly, I mean, Javon Quinterly is probably the angriest person in the world today because he, he hardly ever looks as inept as he did in that game. Uh, Tennessee just prevented that veteran guard, a good veteran guard, from doing anything. He had six or seven turnovers. He he couldn't get anything going offensively. He could barely breathe. It it, it was a big big time performance. But the the this the story of the night in in some ways, obviously Adu was a big part of it too. Um, but but Tennessee Tennessee's plus minus leader was a player who played twenty seven minutes and didn't score a single point. And that's because Jemai Meshek was incredible defensively in that game. He had to guard one of the very best players in college basketball, and that player had 15 points. Brandon Miller, of course, is what I'm talking about. Normally averages 18, 19 a game. He had 15. He had only, I think, four of those in the 27 minutes Jemai Meshek was on the floor. Meshek had a plus-minus of plus nine and didn't score a point because he made life hell for Brandon Miller and for Alabama when he was on the court. That guy, and he gives up five or six inches to Miller, too. He's he, he, We think of Meshek as a big dude, because he is, but he's only about 6'4". Miller's 6'9", so he's, got, so he's got five inches plus the wingspan difference, but he just clamped him down. He was diving all over the floor. He was jumping up, blocking shots. He had three steals. He was all over the place and for a guy who is still limited offensively as he's developing his game to go into a game like that play so many more minutes than you normally play and to be ready to not just play but to play like that I don't think I've ever seen a game that's even as close to as effective as the one he played without scoring for 27 minutes on the floor some people might think I'm making too much of this I don't think that I am I think Watching him in that game, it was very clear throughout the game that number 15 defensively was making his mark on it, putting his stamp on it, and he had a hell of a night, I think. Well, you clearly did not watch Tony Allen when he was with the Grizzlies, so shame on on you. Okay, a college basketball game, a college basketball game. (laughs) I I kid, I kid. Uh, No, but that was a Tony Allen-level college game for for Jemai Meshack. I mean, he he was absolutely – awesome defensively and uh our buddy Troy Provo Heron he he counted it up after the game and only four of Brandon Miller's 15 points came when Jemai Meshack was on the floor awesome because I just said that a second ago and I was worried that I was wrong so I'm glad that of course if Troy's the one who also believes it then now I'm a little bit less confident that I'm right well for Troy's sake he's probably less confident if you agree with him so <laughs> Just the combination of you two is just not great for for anybody True. when it comes to fact checking. Uh, but 
Jabai Meshach was just tremendous. Uh, you, you can use every word in the dictionary. Uh, what, what he was able to do was just absolutely terrific. And I, I was confused as to why people were confused that he was in the starting lineup. I, I thought it was pretty obvious mm-hmm. that uh, Alabama has the national front runner for freshman of the year or the front runner for the national freshman of the year. And he's really good at scoring the basketball. Tennessee needs even more defense than it typically does. And Jemai is arguably the best defensive player on the team. Like that is what Jemai Meshack does. He he is a great defender. So it was pretty obvious why Jemai Meshack was was starting. And and you saw why early and often. Um again, the fact that Brandon Miller, he scored 11 of his 15 points when Jemai was not in the game tells you all you need to know about Jemai Meshack's impact on defense. I don't know what's more impressive, that or the fact that he didn't score a point in, in 27 minutes, but still had the best plus minus of yeah, plus nine. It's an incredible on, stat. It's on the incredible. Team. The, yes. If if we were to compile at the end of the season, the, the best stats from the season, I mean, those are towards the top of the list and, and maybe you're not topping it to, to be quite honest. So uh, that, that was good to see. Uh, kudos to Jemai. He, he's kind of had an up and down, season just because the the offensive game has has not yet clicked yet uh, but Tennessee needed every bit of of what he gave them defensively last night yeah and, and I'll say this before we go to break Meshack in a night that was all about culture and all about program Meshack by God is a program guy and he was a great presence for a program slash culture kind of win because this guy, there's games where he hardly plays. Rick Barnes, after every game, says, how can I get this kid on the floor more? I love this kid. He's everything we want this program to be about. Works so hard. Such a great defensive player. Great personality. Great team guy. Unselfish. I want him on the floor. But there are times where Tennessee needs an offensive spark, obviously, and that's not what he normally provides. And the defense normally is so good um, that that you. it's not like putting another defensive player on the floor is usually the right answer because they normally need to find ways to get the ball in the bucket. And that's just not what Meshack does at a high level consistently. Uh, but in a game like last night, it, it, it was counterintuitively a brilliant play because if you know that you're not going to be able to score maybe a ton of points because Bama's defense is good and your offense is struggling and you're missing two starters, it's a bold move to go ahead and go with, you know what, I'm just going to put a guy out there who's 100% defense and I'm going to I'm gonna at least, if I'm going to struggle offensively, I'm going to make sure that I take this game and drag the opponent down into the mud with me. And that's what I'm going to do. And, and that's what it, – because it's not a given that Meshack's going to be able to contain Miller because Meshack's a great defensive player. He's also giving up five inches to Miller. Uh, that's why I thought without Josiah Jordan-James out there, they were going to have a hard time containing Miller just because – He's he's there, there's you can just usually shoot over those guys in a lot of cases, but Meshack has enough of a wingspan. He's an he's athletic enough, and Barnes not his first rodeo. He knows that Kevin Durant still to this day does not like it when smaller guys guard him. He doesn't like it um, because they get up in his in his sink. He doesn't. They're they're quick. They're low to the ground. They make him uncomfortable. He'd much rather go up against another guy who's 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 tall because he can usually shake those guys pretty quick. So Barnes knew that. He made a play that was a a, um, a bit of a ballsy play, and it worked. And uh, give credit to Jemai Meshack. Give credit to Tennessee. That was, a, that was a big win. Now, what does it mean, right? Hashtag, what does it mean? There's a lot that it could mean. 
We don't know. It ebbs and it flows. But we'll come back after the break here, and we'll talk about what it means because, listen, Tennessee, that was a big one, but you got a lot of big ones coming up too. And uh, celebrate that one for last night and then turn the page and move on because you got another challenge coming your way Saturday up in Rupp Arena. So we'll talk about that and more when we come back here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Ben McKee coming to you from his house on the other, one of the other sides of town talking uh, Tennessee basketball after the 10th-ranked Vols. Topped, top-ranked Alabama last night, uh, Wednesday night, at a rocking, sold-out Thompson Bowling Arena where I was not allowed to be because my uh, isolation for COVID does not end until Friday. So good news, if nothing else happens, I will be able to go to Lexington on Saturday. I've been let out of jail. It's been a miserable week and and change, but uh, I will be out of the house allowed to on Friday. So that is very, very nice. Get to go up to Lexington and uh, and see Tennessee play at Kentucky in what should be a, a banger up there at Rupp Arena. Lots more to discuss, and we're going to do that. But before we do that, just a quick uh, request from our end. If you could take about a minute out of your day, let's say 60 seconds, 75 seconds, 90 seconds tops, and go in there and rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, we sure would appreciate it. If you're just listening on the website, right there at GoVols247.com, that's perfect. We, we love you. There's no wrong way to consume this podcast. What helps us out the most, though, is if you go in there, on uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod. You can find this GoVols 24-7 podcast. We do it for free. We're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. No complaints from our end. However, since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to rate, review, and subscribe, and tell your friends. Tell people you see around town. Tell people you see um, at church. Tell people you see out there on the golf course. Tell people you see walking your dog, wherever you are. You see somebody in orange, you tell them, hey, why don't you listen to this Govals 24-7 podcast? If you're already doing all that, thank you. We love you. And if not... I award you no points 
and may God have mercy on your soul. Ben, back to business. Where is Tennessee going from here? I wrote last night in the column after the game that, that I asked, where's Tennessee going from here? Physically, we all know Tennessee's going to Lexington, Kentucky. That's physically, geographically, we know where Tennessee's going next. Emotionally, psychologically, no idea. Right, it's a season. It comes, it goes up and down. We don't know who's going to be available. We don't know how they're going to be ready to play in that game. You, you, you just don't know. But um, I think last night, if anything else, Ben showed to me that regardless of how many people do or do not believe in this team right now, this team still believes in itself. This team still believes in the way that it does business. Because if that team's not totally bought in, totally committed, it doesn't win that game last night. That was a big win under big circumstances, and I think it proved that, you know what, they still believe in themselves. Right, and last night was a program win. Uh, You've said that multiple times on the pod. I I tweeted that out in my final score tweet that it it was a a program win. It it was a massive win. For for them to knock off, I still think Alabama is the best team in the country. It's right there with them and Purdue, yeah. Yes, uh, and it'll it'll probably if those two teams played, it would probably come down to to who played better that day. <laughs> That's what it would come down to. Uh, may, maybe Houston is in that conversation. Alabama squeaked out a win mm-hmm. over yeah, Houston. Fair, fair. That was a good close game on the road. Um, but I mean, it, if I'm being honest, if Tennessee and Alabama played again tonight in Thompson Bowling Arena, I'd pick Alabama to win again. Um, because I, I do think Alabama is the best team in the country. But hey, that's that's the sport of basketball. Uh, that 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 is college athletics. Heck, that that's sports in in general. <laughs> in my prediction that I wrote on the site, the very first thing that I said, and we joked about it on the podcast the other day, is that based off of how sports work, because of the way Tennessee lost its last two games, it'll find a way to beat Alabama. Just because it, it's dumb. And it doesn't make sense. And that's what happened. But uh, in all seriousness, Tennessee was able to to win and beat the best team in the country, by my estimation, because of the, the culture and the, the foundation that's been established. And that's what Rick Barnes said after the game uh, when he was asked why this team is able to stick together during tough times. And he said that it was a, a testament to not only the character – of each player on the team and and the coaches and everybody associated with the program, but also it's a testament to the foundation that that's been built, that they know that if if they handle their business the way that they're supposed to, that they have a chance to beat anybody on any given day. And that's what they did. They they were locked in and and ready to go from the jump. And you you just really can't say enough uh, about the, the effort that Tennessee gave for 40 minutes and, Rick Barnes highlighted the defensive effort for 40 minutes in his comments, but I thought it was the effort on on both ends of the floor, just their willingness to scrap with Alabama and, and go toe-to-toe. And uh, it, it was a reminder that Tennessee is capable of beating anybody in the country on any given day. That That's the type of potential this team has and, and why it's been so frustrating at times and, and why we've had so many conversations about the difference between good and great, because we know that they have the potential to be great and to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament, but they've been shooting themselves in the foot and not executing late in games or uh, in the middle of games to their 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 potential. And that's what's bitten them in, 
in the butt so many times this year, and they did not allow that to happen. And, and for them to to really put forth that effort down two starters, having lost three of four, their last two losses were all-time buzzer-beating type of uh, losses. Nate Oates called them the, the unluckiest team he's seen uh, with how they lost the last two games. You, you just really can't say enough about the program. And I am very curious to see how they show up on Saturday. I I expect them to to show up with the the correct mentality, but these are college kids. They're they're 17 to, to 22 years old, and everybody at that age, or 95% of people at that age, don't do anything consistently in their life. And Kentucky is going to be a, a desperate basketball team. They had a road win over Mississippi State on Wednesday night, and they have to beat Tennessee to bolster their resume. They they have one impressive win this season, and it's on the road at Tennessee. And it desperately needs to beat Tennessee a second time if it wants to make the NCAA tournament. So can Tennessee match that that mentality? Not, not necessarily match the desperation, but be as locked in and prepared for how desperate Kentucky is going to be. Can they can they prepare for that mentally? That that is a that's a huge question, and they're going to have to do it on a quick turnaround, not a whole lot of preparation in between Alabama and, and Kentucky, and, and they're coming off a big e- emotional win. That 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 is going to be a huge question about Saturday's game. Yeah, the one plus would be that at least they were at home last night and they played a couple hours before Kentucky did, and Kentucky played in Starkville, so it had to then turn around and fly home last night, and it'll have a really early start on today, so... Yeah, I mean that that's probably a slight gain, but 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 still, every little bit helps. Um, what I look at it, Ben, is, is as my voice just cracks again, and again, I apologize. I know that as I was taking us in and out of break, there, my voice still, when I have to put a lot of words together, still, I just get a little bit uh, winded. Sound like a bit of mouth breather coming back from this virus. That's just what's going to happen a little bit. Sorry about that. But um, when I look at what we know and what we don't know. Like what we learned last night that was new, perhaps, was that Tennessee has not given up on itself. It did not feel sorry for itself after a bad week. Uh, without a couple starters, it could still have the toughness and the quality to go out there and um, put put together a really impressive performance and win. What we don't know, because I don't think any of this changed, was that last night didn't show us that Tennessee's still not incredibly susceptible at times. You, you saw it in the Mizzou game. Uh, that if a team gets hot and makes tough threes over that that really good defense, if Tennessee gives up more than like 70 points or so, 75 especially, it's going to be tough for this team to win because it's just hard to count on them being able to produce that much offense in a game. They just, they've done it before. They don't do it often. Uh, last night also probably didn't do anything to, to alleviate the concerns uh, about could this team put together four good enough offensive performances, at least against three good teams, to make it to like a Final Four? Like, we still don't know that. That's still going to be a challenge for this team. Last night did not change the exposed nerves that this team has in terms of like the flaws that it has that make you feel not great about a long March run. That stuff is still there. It was there before last night, it's still there. It's going to take, they would have to go on an absolute heater for the next month. And even then, the, can, the, the, the seeds of doubt would still be there a little bit. 
However, yeah, but that that, that but, exists for anybody. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not. I'm not. Again, this is not like a Debbie Downer thing. This is me saying, last night, as big as it was, does not change the big picture. Just like last week, as frustrating as that was, did not change the big picture because last week. Even as much as Tennessee sort of deserved those losses in some ways because of the way it played, it still took some fluky stuff for those games to become losses. So in the big picture, what does that change? Nah. Last night, Tennessee was able to circle the wagons, get a big win. What does that change? It helps the mindset right now. Um, but right now, it, it doesn't really, to me, change the big picture, which is still that this team, with its defense – is a threat and very, very realistic chance to beat any team in any court on any day. It's just, can this team string things together? That's still the question that we don't know because the way that it plays offense and the inconsistencies there are still there. And when you go on Saturday, you mentioned this, so I don't need to mention it in great detail, Ben, but uh, this Kentucky team is desperate. Last night... Uh, Kentucky played hard against the Mississippi State team that also played very, very hard. And Kentucky made some plays, right? Oscar Chibwe making some big free throws late in the game. Like Kentucky was throwing the ball into big Oscar to take clutch free throws late in the game, and he made almost all of them. Uh, Kentucky also got really, really lucky because Casey Wallace 1,000% traveled. He might have traveled twice and didn't get called for it, or State would have gotten the ball with a chance to win the game in the last 10 seconds. Um, so Kentucky caught a break there, uh, and I said, why is that happening? Oh, wait, Pat Adams is there. Never mind, that's how they missed the call. But you you look at it, this is a desperate team, and you're going to rup against the Kentucky fan base. Say what you will about those guys. They know basketball. They know how much their team needs them right now. And the way that uh, Thompson Bowling wrapped its big orange arms around Tennessee last night and gave it a big, big push. The exact same thing is going to happen the exact other way around. There will be more orange and rup than there was Crimson and Thompson Bowling, but still it will be an absolute fortress. And Tennessee is going, imagine like this, Vols, you are going into the belly of the beast. You're going into the pits of hell. You are going against a one of the best Basketball fan base is in the country, without question, uh, into, a, into a building that's a little bit overrated, but it's still very loud and very, very hostile and a very good place to watch a game. And a team and a crowd that are going to be desperate to beat you. And when that arena circles the wagons, that is a tough place to go, without question. It's tough anytime, but when that arena is desperate, you're, you better expect a fight. And Kentucky's going to be up. There's no chance that Kentucky overlooks Tennessee. None. That's, that's been a problem for Kentucky at times this season. Wasn't a problem for them in Knoxville. It's not going to be a problem for them in Lexington. They're going to be ready to fight. And Ben, Tennessee better be ready for a game that is every single bit as physical as the game was last night. And you're in rup so that slightly friendly whistle you got against Bama, you're not getting it Saturday. So be ready. Yeah, I think Tennessee will be up for the test because they overlooked Kentucky when Kentucky came to Knoxville last month. Uh, I I firmly believe that uh, Tennessee was reading the the press clippings and 
reading the stuff that was on social media because remember how much Kentucky was was struggling at that point. I mean they they look they haven't looked all that great since, but even kind of in December and early January they looked absolutely abysmal. And I think Tennessee knew that. I think they heard everything <laughs> that everybody was saying about Kentucky. And then they jump out to that quick 8-0 lead over Kentucky, and I think they took their foot off the gas and thought they were going to coast to to an easy win, and that bit them in the butt. So I, I think Tennessee overlooked Kentucky the first time around, and I would be absolutely stunned if they overlooked them this time and, and weren't expecting everything that we just talked about. Now, they could be locked in mentally and, and still play poorly. Sure. I mean, they, they could still sure. go up there and – Miss shots. I, 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 one of my pet peeves about we as sports fans is that too many people associate playing poorly, like just simply not executing, missing shots, or, or turning the basketball over as lack of effort. Like that, that drives me crazy when, when people say, Oh, they're shooting 27%. So so they're not playing with the, the correct amount of effort. I mean, that may be the case. That That's certainly possible. But it's not always but the case. I, I, no. And I hate how we just automatically, oh, team's not playing well. They're not playing hard. Like, I, I hate that association. I can promise you Tennessee will play hard on Saturday at Kentucky. The question is, will they play well? And I, I feel good about where Tennessee's offense is at currently. You, you still have those concerns. Um when you look ahead to March, there, there's no doubt about it. I don't necessarily trust – not necessarily. I don't trust them at all to go string three, four strong offensive performances together to to get by in March. Um, but I, I think they're improving is is my point. There, there were signs against Vanderbilt with the way Tyreek Key scored and, and Tobey Awaka stepped up uh, against Missouri the second half. That was absolutely tremendous. And, I again, I talked about it at length earlier – I think given how good Alabama's defense is, I, I think the offense performance last night was was pretty solid. So I, I think there's some some stepping stones and and some building blocks that Tennessee's offense can can really build off of. But I think that this is going to be a, a completely different test than the last couple of games because you are going up to Rupp Arena. They I don't remember a game off the top of my head in which They've played well offensively in a hostile environment. I guess Arizona wasn't necessarily an offensive debacle. Um, they, they played okay uh, offensively in, in that one. Mm -hmm. So I guess you could point to that. But uh, I, I think it would go a long ways towards building up some goodwill with the fan base. Not that they necessarily have to. I mean, that that's not a, a thing that they have to do, but it would make fans feel better if, if they go into Rupp Arena and, and play well offensively because it is going to be uh, a big-time crowd, hostile environment. Uh, you're not going to get a friendly whistle no, no, in that not. building, regardless no. of who the referees are, and that's going to be a desperate Kentucky team. So I, I absolutely think Tennessee will will show up with the the right mentality. It's just going to come down to whether they execute or not. I do agree, and I'm glad you made the point that it gets frustrating when people assume that a team that doesn't play well is a team that wasn't prepared or wasn't wasn't playing hard. But I will say I understand that because if you – I think those of us who are around the game for hours and hours and hours every day, 
Um, not as much as the peak coaches and players who play it. They're at a different level, but we're not too terribly far behind that in terms of number of hours we're around the game all the time and thinking about the game. For the average fan, though, like they got other stuff they got to do during the day. They're, they're not able to get as much into the nitty-gritty, and for them, it probably feels like anytime you're not playing well, it's just because you weren't playing hard or just because you weren't ready to play. And, and I think that I, that's going to sound perhaps insulting to some. I absolutely do not mean that. I'm actually taking up for those people and saying I understand why they think that because that is a very common average Joe fan thing to say, is it not? That if a team's not playing hard, right? If you think about it, like when we're all kids, what did our dads and, and uncles and everybody talk about? Right. All oh, those guys just aren't playing hard today. That's just what people do. You know what I mean? Like it's what they do. Um, but there are times where a team is very well prepared to play. It's very focused and it just can't make a shot. Right. Like that just happens. And and so that's happened sometimes with this team. I think in terms of not being locked in and ready to play, uh, Colorado was like that. I think to an extent, Kentucky was like that. Uh, the other games, by and large, I think Tennessee just just didn't play very well. They just didn't make shots. Things just didn't go their way. That's the way I saw it anyway. Um, And I think Rick Barnes has been pretty honest about that too because if Barnes doesn't think that you're giving effort, he's going to tell everybody. He's going to tell you. He's going to tell us in the media. He's going to tell fans on the coaches show. He's going to call or text that player's parents and tell them. Everybody's going to know. He's going to go to church on Sunday and tell tell, uh, baby Jesus about it too. He's going to tell everybody he knows if he doesn't think you're playing hard. But last week, I couldn't tell if it was a sign of um, Rick being either very, very honest or Rick just kind of understanding the situation and knowing that he couldn't afford to ride those guys very hard right then. But last week, he said, you know, it's going to be okay. I believe in these guys. I do. And last night, he talked to Alyssa Langer after the game, and he said, I think what goes around comes around in this business. If you work hard... I think I've been around this game long enough to, to know that what goes around comes around. We had a week like last week, and now we get a, a game like this because we deserved it. We earned it. And, and I think that's probably fair, but you're only as good as your most recent game. You're only as good as your current performance. Tennessee's got to go there Saturday. It's not like a must win, but Tennessee's in the tournament. Tennessee's in the tournament as a high seed. That's That's a given basically at this point. But uh, Tennessee, if it wants to keep any kind of pressure on the teams at the top of the league, if it wants to avoid some discontent at home a little bit, um, yeah, it needs to go there and put in a good performance on Saturday, I think. Oh, for sure. I mean, this this is a week for Tennessee to build up a, a lot of goodwill. And like I said a moment ago, not that not, not that, that is necessarily – a necessity. I mean, it, it's not part of the job as long as you win when it matters most. Um, but it, it has been a frustrating season at, at times for, for some, get, given some of the frustrating performances uh, against Colorado, uh, the Florida game, the Kentucky game. Uh, and and I, I don't know that people were necessarily – as mad about the way that they lost to Vanderbilt and Missouri as they were with the ugly performances against Colorado and Kentucky and and Florida and kind of blowing some, some leads there. Um, But there was some discontent obviously. And we we talked about it. This was a a week for Tennessee to, 
to really earn some trust and and some goodwill. It, it was a big opportunity. For, forget about earning goodwill, but it was a, a big opportunity for for Tennessee to really build up his confidence and um and really get it back going. And and so far so good. They they took advantage of a hostile environment last night inside of Tom inside of Thompson Bowling Arena and uh, was able to knock off the number one team in the country. And and that's something that that will always be appreciated. Uh, not not only just beating the number one team in the country, but beating Alabama. That that is certain certainly something fans will will always appreciate regardless of the sport. And uh, that also applies to Kentucky as well. Tennessee fans do not like Kentucky fans. Kentucky fans do not like Tennessee fans. So if Tennessee can go 2-0 and this week and those wins consist of Alabama and Kentucky, and Alabama happened to be the number one team in the country at the time, and uh, Tennessee can, in a way, put a death nail in Kentucky's NCAA tournament chances. I mean, it it won't completely kill its tournament chances. Yeah, because that, that wouldn't be a, a bad loss on the resume. For sure. No, but they don't have any huge opportunities for for big wins. Kentucky does not. Uh, th- this is really Kentucky's last chance to to add another big win uh, to its resume. They 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 desperately need it. So uh, if if Tennessee can go up there and uh, knock off Kentucky in Rupp, like that is appreciated every single time it happens. But there's a little added incentive this year as well because you can kind of put Kentucky's NCAA tournament chances to bed I mean it again it wouldn't be completely knocked out but it it would be stumbling it 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 already is stumbling it it may have a knee on the mat if if Tennessee can can knock off Kentucky this weekend so uh, it's been a, a big week of opportunity for Tennessee and so far so good I agree I will say this on the way out though uh, normally when it comes down to uh, those rare kind of bubble Opera, you know, when when a blue blood's right there on the chopping block, right there on the uh, right there on the edge, uh, you saw that with Michigan last year a little bit. Even though they're not technically fully a blue blood, still close enough. If there's like a Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, Kansas on the uh, on the on the bubble, they getting in. That's how that's gonna go. I'll tell you right now, they getting in. That's how they ain't gonna have a tournament without them unless those guys are like a billion games under five hundred. So. Yeah, we, we, we will see. Uh, Kentucky's got work to do for sure, and uh, Kentucky could really help its case this weekend, but this ain't about Kentucky. If you're Tennessee, this is about Tennessee, and uh, Tennessee has a chance to go there. And you know what? Um, if you tell Tennessee fans you're going to lose to Mizzou and Vanderbilt at the buzzer in really, really cruel fashion, but then you'll go beat Bama and Kentucky the next week, would you take that trade? Mm, I think they'd take that trade. So, you know, it is what it is. You'd rather win all four, but that's not how life goes. Uh, Ben, we'll be back here in just um, a little bit. Actually, later today, we'll have another uh, podcast up. I think we'll release this one before the baseball one, so we'll have another podcast up today. But regardless, it won't be very long until we hear your sweet, sweet voice again. So uh, until then, buddy, see you. Well, I don't know about sweet, sweet voice. It's not as sweet as yours, but always appreciate you, my friend. Dude, I can barely get words out right now. There ain't nothing sweet about this. See ya. You sound the same as you always do to me. (laughs) There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 
on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247, where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Vols fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock. Got the checkerboard and the summit where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent, growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, You also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That, that is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.